You're listening to A Little Too Quiet, the Ferndale Library podcast, brought to you by the Friends of the Ferndale Library, and I am Jeff Milo, producing a second episode in partnership with Gallery Camille and their ongoing exhibition, Come Together, Music is Revolution. And we're talking today with Lenny Sinclair. Lenny Sinclair is a world-famous photographer, best known for capturing some of the most iconic images of musicians and live music events that we have ever known. These are just amazing images to look at. From Lennon to Fela Kuti to the MC5 and the Stooges, Lenny was there, Lenny showed up, and Lenny always had her camera. Lenny Sinclair, born Magdalene Arndt, came to America from East Germany in the late 1950s and was a co-founder of the Detroit Artist Workshop in 1964. She is also famously one of the co-founders, along with former husband John Sinclair, of the White Panther Party. Lenny Sinclair has her works featured at Gallery Camille, part of their group show of photography called Come Together, Music is Revolution. Music is Revolution is actually a direct quote from Lenny Sinclair. And joining Lenny in those exhibitions are Doug Coombe and Brian Rosman, both uh, celebrated modern documentarians of the local music scene. So it is quite a show to immerse yourself in. We're here to chat with Lenny Sinclair about her life as a photographer, her life as a documentarian, as a, as a journalist of sorts, if just a, a journaler, just an avid uh, keeper of her own journals, of her own life's experience, and the fulfillment she found in capturing such, as we often say, iconic uh, moments and musicians in history. Along with her show at Gallery Camille, Lenny has a new book of monographs coming out called Motor City Underground, which is being published in collaboration with Foggy Notion Books and the MoCab, where she'll also be exhibiting this winter. This is our chat with Lenny Sinclair. Let us let us begin. So I yeah. wanted to, of course, kind of ask you about a story that you've probably told quite often, and it goes back to when you buy that camera. What happened in, in East Germany? There were very few uh, consumer products that were worth a shit. Okay, most of it was like you know. Mm-hmm. That's why many people escaped, like me, to to the West where everything was better. I didn't escape because of. A materialistic consideration that was not my goal to go to the West and become a Westerner. My goal was just to use escaping and living in West Germany for a year and then making my way to America. Mm-hmm. That's what I did. And the camera, my mother had given me 200 marks, East German marks, from her little savings. And I had to spend the money in East Germany before I left because if I had taken 200 East German marks to the West with me, it would only have been worth 20 West German marks. It was the cost was one to 20. Wow! So I had to pick something out in East Germany that had some kind of value, and I picked out a camera that was just about 200 marks East German manufactured camera called the Taxona and it has a Zeiss lens, the Zeiss factory where they uh, produce these 
excitement is what in East Germany in Vienna is ice factory and that's what I that's what I use just to shoot snapshots and my travels in America just thinking I would use my camera to send home some evidence of my life <laughs> mm-hmm. and then uh, you know and then it turned into so much more mm-hmm. do you remember <laughs> the moment or the or the year even where you started this might be a strange question where you started regarding yourself as a photographer and then even as an artist well you see it almost happened on one day <laughs> kind <laughs> of because uh, when i met john sinclair and he and some of his friends and i uh, started the detroit artist workshop and on the day it was found it was november 1st 1964 mm-hmm. the tenant of the Detroit Artist Workshop was that everybody can be an artist. Okay, everybody can be artistically inclined and contribute or be a fan of the art and also contribute that way. So, and since I already had a camera and was taking pictures of my surroundings and things I got involved in, I decided to become an artist. Not just somebody who took snapshots, but my whole life I just I I kept that philosophy. You know, whatever you have to do in life to survive, uh, if you consider yourself an artist, all the other stuff you have to do doesn't really define you. Mm-hmm. Like working in a factory or, or in a restaurant or doing something to make a living, mm-hmm. as long as you uh, look at yourself as an artist and continue your vision and your art. Everything else helps, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. You can't look at yourself as a street sweeper and say, I'm just a street sweeper, you know. No, I'm an artist and I sweep streets to make my art possible. And that's how I've been living, you know. I had to do all kinds of things in life for us to survive, and mm-hmm. including going on food stamps and stuff like that. So, uh, but the whole time, I kept taking pictures. Mm-hmm. Not that I had a lot of time to take pictures. I was always involved in doing things, but helping my husband get out of jail, taking care of our kids, and taking care of a commune of 28 other people, yes. and doing all kinds of, you know, and changing the marijuana law, <laughs> you know, but... I, I, I keep telling people, you know, just to take a picture, just take one sixtieth of a second or mm-hmm. one twenty fifth of a second. Mm-hmm. And that I had time for because I had a camera I could take pictures. Now, to use the pictures, I mean, to do something with them, you know, took like 60 years or now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> that, that finally, um, I can use some of these pictures and make some money with them, you know? Sure. Hopefully. You have always struck me as someone who is inherently very humble, and you have held on to that humbleness. You have wound up taking uh, some of the most iconic photos that uh, you, you, you hear people tell you this all the time. This photograph is so iconic. This photograph is amazing. And you you have all these compliments and accolades come in, but you maintain that humble nature of yours. And I find that so endearing uh, it must be very important to you well i don't know what to say but considering all the people that are helping me 
mm-hmm. like you, for instance, and, 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 and the people who are supporting my book and supporting my show and all that, I have to be humble. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're helping me, you know. <laughs> and my pictures being iconic, you see, uh, uh, to me, when I took them, they were not iconic. When I took the so-called iconic pictures, like of Iggy, mm-hmm. he was not an icon back then. <laughs> you know? Sometimes I try to brag. Uh, I specialize in taking pictures of people before they become famous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true in some cases, but I don't want to be megalomaniac about it. You know? <laughs> not everybody I take a picture of became famous, you know. <laughs> do you do you have scenarios where if you're looking back through your photos or you're you're scanning through your negatives, do you find an image and maybe that one image you're able to remember the the day, remember the the hour, remember the concert? Do those like bring it back to you like flashes of lightning when you look at pictures like that? Well, yeah, there are flashes of insight, but you know, there's also another um, avenue where I could pinpoint exactly which date I took it and where I took it and how much because I wrote things down. You know, maybe a hundred years after I die, I might be more famous for my uh, keeping journals of my life than my photographs. Mm-hmm. But if you put the journals together with my photographs, that would be a, a hell of a resource to date things oh, yes. properly. You know, but that is for the next in the next generation. So I don't have time for that. <laughs> I don't have time to go back. Life goes on. Yeah. Why do you think that that was so important to you? You you bought that camera when you were young because you wanted to document your journey to America, and you keep these journals to document, and you take these photos at these concerts to document. Um, it's just that documentary inside of you seems to be very strong. It was strong. It was strong from when I was 15 years old, and I used to keep little notebooks where I put down just thoughts or movies I'd seen or somebody I met or something. Just, just the skeleton of a journal. But these little tiny journals, I was compelled to take with me when I escaped, and that's the only thing that scared me. If I was controlled by the police on my way to West Berlin, mm-hmm. and they had looked at my journals, they would have put me in jail. Wow! Because there was like, "I'm leaving. I'm getting out of here. I want freedom." All those kinds of things <laughs> that were in the journal. Thankfully, I kept them. I still have them, and. It's an obsession, mm-hmm. but it's also utilitarian. Mm-hmm. At a very, very down period in my life where I didn't really know who I was and what I wanted to become, and mm-hmm. my marriage was dissolving, and I didn't know if I could make it on my own in the future, I resorted to my journals I had kept since I came to this country, and since before I came to this country, and like this actress, what's the name? May Bisbet, his name, actress, once said, keep a diary and someday it will keep you. <laughs> and I found that out when I was at the worst period of my life. I started <laughs> reading my journals from before I got married and it occurred to me, I was somebody. I was happy. I could live. I mm-hmm. did live. I could do that again. I could be myself again. And reading those journals gave me the strength mm-hmm. to 
say no to the things in life that kept me down. That's what I suggest to everybody. Keep a journal. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, so the exhibition that is up at Gallery Camille, where there are lots of images of particularly live events, live experiences, concerts, and it's called Come Together, which to me makes me think of you know how special it is when we are in big groups together in big audiences together uh in oh front of yeah us. and you know lenny i'll tell you is that this day and age folks who are younger are you know they tend to be very inundated with lots of media they're inundated with lots of television and what have you and a lot of them they they tend to even pass up the opportunities to go see live music anymore because they just want to stay in and, and swim through their... No, I think that's all temporary right now because who can go be in a large crowd? That's it's true. Forbidden. You know, you can't risk it now, but in another year or so, it might be the way it used to be. Yeah. There might be big concerts. And my feeling is being a perpetual optimist, my feeling is that... Once it opens up again, once the virus is still under control, you can gather in groups again, and it's going to open up, and it's going to flourish, and it's going to be a new renaissance. Everything is going to sprout again, like in spring, you know, after a dark winter. Beautiful, beautiful. One of the hopes and one of the great uh, things that gives me hope is that we have a new president, Mm -hmm. and perhaps... Things will change mm-hmm. and get better a little bit faster. When I when I go to see that exhibition at Gallery Camille and I look at Fela Kuti and I look at Grateful Dead at the Ann Arbor Bandshell, I see your photos, but I also just, it transports me there momentarily to the moment where you were, surrounded by people, surrounded by sounds, surrounded by colors. That's what I find so beautiful about your images is that it, you really captured life. Of course, those photos capture those timestamps, those those moments in time, but so many great memories, right, Lenny? So many great shows. Well, you know, part of it is because I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> part of it is that all past. I lived through it, and it's past. And now it's the new generations, new generations of musicians. They never stop. They just keep on coming, and they keep on creating. And it's almost like a New Orleans, like music goes out of the sidewalk. That's what's so great about Detroit. Mm-hmm. The music never stops. Mm-hmm. You know? When you were there in the crowds, of course, I, I was wondering, were you able to also, obviously you were working, obviously you are trying to focus on capturing an image, but uh, you were, of course, soaking in the music too and having fun as well, right? Oh, yes. And plus, you know, a lot of times I would double my fun because after concert, sometimes I'd go home and develop my film in the dark and then make some pictures in the dark. And a lot of times when I went to her museum clubs like uh, like Cops Corner or someplace, I would take my little tape recorder with me and record a set or two. And then when I'm in the dark room, I play the music and I see the pictures come out of the developer and it's like, yes, that is great. (laughs) (laughs) This is fun. And that's something I don't like about digital photography. It took away my enjoyment of walking in the dark room at night, half naked, nobody could see me. (laughs) It's hard. There used to be a slogan saying, yeah. Photographers do it in the dark. 
Yeah. <laughs> but that's obsolete now. Photographers used to do it in the dark. Right. Now they just click buttons on the computer. Yeah, there was just so much. <laughs> <laughs> There's, there was so much chance you would just click and you wouldn't be able to see the image immediately. You aren't. You're on your phone and you can take a photo and you, it'll show you what you got immediately. Oh my gosh! Yes, and you can send it in a minute to somebody <laughs> else. You know, no, that's all to me. That's all the opposite of old fashioned. Oh yeah. That is yeah. new fashion. <laughs> you could get. You could get through a whole night of taking a hundred photos and you would still maybe worry, oh gosh, did I even get five good ones? There was that chance, right? There was that unknown, that unknownness to it. So, Well, you know, like the um, the standard, is if you take a proof sheet, uh, if you take a photo film of 36 images, you're bound to have at least one good one. <laughs> if you're good. You know? <laughs> so all those 100,000 photographs that, that are supposed to be on one of the hard drives, most of them are bullshit. Most of them are overexposed, underexposed, not good charts. Mm -hmm. But there's enough good ones in there to, you know, make a book like the mm -hmm. Detroit Underground. It's based on that hard drive with all these images. Mm -hmm. So it's a good thing they did that. Takes a long time to scan a hundred thousand photographs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> if that many, I don't know. No, they told me that they scanned fifty-seven thousand. Wow. But of course, I never counted them. Right. So, and that's not all of them. That's not all my slides. And, oh, and besides that, another part of my, whatever my career or my past is that for a short while, I I took movies with the Bola 16 millimeter film that of Iggy of the MC5 of mm -hmm. all the bands at the Rotten Hole, a huge weather wall movie footage of bands that I you know, I I had aspirations at one time to uh, to make a film or documentary with all my footage, but I licensed it to a company uh, called Retro Video, and they are licensing my footage, and some of my footage has been used in the film about Iggy, has been used in the MC5, has been used in the movie Louder Than Love, so that's that, uh, another stream of income for me, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and someday maybe I can do something with it myself. I think about that all the time when I watch documentaries like the ones you mentioned. I always, as while I'm watching them, I always think, "Thank goodness someone there had a camera." Thank. So I'm always thinking of you, Lenny. Thank goodness, yeah, Lenny was I, there. I do too. And you know, uh, watching the storming and the insurrection at at, at the uh, at Capitol, mm -hmm. I was thinking to, you know, no matter for what purpose they shot it, but thank God they shot it. Mm -hmm. A lot of people who took movie footage with their iPhone cameras, now they might be going to jail, but thank God they took it. <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> That's the evidence that they were there. You know? <laughs> well, uh, Lenny, I just have one more question before I let you go, and it's probably something that you've already answered before. But if you, for anyone who's listening to this podcast, is there advice that you like to give to aspiring photographers? You have you've said once or twice that you you feel like you got lucky sometimes getting these iconic images. Do do you have advice you give? Do you have a technique? Do you have a philosophy about it all when you pick up your camera? What guides you? Well, I can't really give any advice to. Um 
professional photographer because I never was one. It was all accidents. Mm-hmm. Like, and the reason I got so many shots of so many famous people and musicians was because because getting married to Dan Sinclair opened a whole new field for me, the mm-hmm. jazz and the rock and roll and the political and everything that, you know, I have to thank for, for having uh, all the documents from those days, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Let's say I wanted to get into photography. Would you have any oh, advice yes. for me? Okay, well, all I would do, do like me, just take pictures, keep taking pictures, and, and go for the shooting subject matters that, that appeal to you, yeah. you know? Show up. Like 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 my musician pictures. Yeah. It feels like everyone I shot is somebody I fell in love with or was in love with and that's why I shot them. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, I had a, a headline in a, in a newspaper uh, in Lagos, Nigeria when I was there for a celebration of Fela music and the headline was the woman who shot Fela. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> they interviewed me with four pages long article in Lagos. I'm famous in Lagos because of my photo of Fela, mm-hmm. but doesn't do me any good, you know. <laughs> it's, just, it's just an enjoyment for lots of people. Uh, same with his music, and it's so inspirational, you know. Mm-hmm. So they love my photo of Taylor with his hands up in the air. Mm-hmm. It's the most iconic photo uh, <laughs> of Taylor that's being used almost as if it was in the public domain already. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I'm the lady who shot Taylor. <laughs> 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 well, Lenny, you've been inspired by these musicians, but your photography inspires people too. So I, I do hope that you, that you know that. Yes, and remember, people who are taking photographs, mm-hmm. just take photographs and document of what's happening. You never know what the future may bring. You never know who of these little people you shot might be a big shot 20 years from now, you know? Mm-hmm. And that could be your ticket to making some money. That's right. So keep shooting and, and, and keep following your own interests and your own desires to who to shoot. And another thing is, you know, it, it gives you it gives you access. Like if you get a nice photograph of a musician and you go to the next concert and show them the photograph, uh, they might either buy it or they might at least let you in for free the next time, you know. <laughs> it's a way to establish the communication with your subject matter. Right. So it's fun. Yeah. It is fun. Lenny, thank you so much for all your time today. It's been a pleasure to talk to you on this podcast. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much. Okay. And good luck. That was Lenny Sinclair, photographer, talking about the fame that she found in Lagos, the fame that she found in Detroit, and we were talking about the famous people that she shot and how many of them weren't exactly famous at the moment that those photographs occurred, but you never know. If you always show up and you always have your camera and you are seeking that vision and you are curious and you just... You just never know. You just never know what you may capture and you may preserve something 
iconic for the future. Maybe your photos will make someone famous. Lenny's photos are world famous and many of them are on display at Gallery Camille. We'll have links in the show notes about that as well as links to read more about Lenny. It was such a pleasure and privilege to chat with her and we appreciate you listening as always. This is the Ferndale Library Podcast. We call it a little too quiet and my name is Jeff Milo and this podcast is brought to you by the friends of the Ferndale Library. You could rate, review, subscribe, or just tell a friend about this podcast. And if you want to find more info on how to support, go to ferndalefriends.org. The music for this podcast is provided by local musician Chad Stocker. And thanks again for listening.